European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 44, Issue 17. Focus Issue, Heart Failure and Cardiomyopathies. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction. Innovative Diagnostic Approaches and Therapeutic Targets. This focus issue on heart failure and cardiomyopathies contains a state-of-the-art review article entitled Cardiac Sarcoidosis, Phenotypes, Diagnosis, Treatment and Prognosis by Jorka Lettonen and colleagues from the Helsinki University Central Hospital and University of Helsinki. The authors note that cardiac sarcoidosis, or CS, results from epithelioid cell granulomas infiltrating the myocardium and predisposing to conduction disturbances, ventricular tachyarrhythmias and heart failure, or HF. Manifest CS, however, constitutes only the tip of an iceberg, as advanced imaging uncovers cardiac involvement four to five times more commonly than what is detectable clinically. Definite diagnosis of CS requires myocardial biopsy and histopathology, but a sufficient diagnostic likelihood can be achieved by combining extracardiac histology of sarcoidosis with clinical manifestations and findings on cardiac imaging. CS can appear as the first or only organ manifestation of sarcoidosis or on top of pre-existing extracardiac disease. Due to the lack of controlled trials, the care of CS is based on observational evidence of low quality. Currently, the treatment involves corticosteroid-based tiered immunosuppression to control myocardial inflammation, with medical and device-based therapy for symptomatic atrioventricular block, ventricular tachyarrhythmias and HF. Recent outcome data indicate 90-96% to five-year survival in manifest CS, with a 10-year figure ranging from 80-90%. to Major progress in the care of CS awaits the key to its molecular genetic pathogenesis and large-scale controlled clinical trials. Cardiac rehabilitation remains the cinderella of treatments for heart failure. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Cardiac Rehabilitation for Heart Failure Cinderella or Evidence-Based Pillar of Care Rod Taylor and colleagues from the University of Glasgow in the United Kingdom provide a contemporary update on the evidence base, clinical guidance and status of cardiac rehabilitation delivery for patients with HF. Given that cardiac rehabilitation participation results in important improvements in patient outcomes, including health-related quality of life, this review argues that an exercise-based rehabilitation is a key pillar of HF management alongside drug and medical device provision. To drive future improvement in access and uptake, health services should offer HF patients a choice of evidence-based modes of rehabilitation delivery, including at home, supported by digital technology, alongside traditional centre-based programmes, or combination of modes, hybrid, and according to stage of disease and patient preference. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM, 
is a common heart muscle disorder which causes premature death from ventricular arrhythmia, HF and stroke. In a Viewpoint article entitled Do Apical Aneurysms Predict Sudden Cardiac Death in Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy? Massimiliano Lorenzini and Perry Elliott from the University College London in the United Kingdom note that while left ventricular or LV apical aneurysms are probably associated with monomorphic ventricular tachycardia, significant selection bias and the presence of important confounders such as previous severe ventricular tachyarrhythmias or reduced LV ejection fraction, suggest that the available data do not support their use as an independent predictor of sudden cardiac death in HCM. Prospective studies of large cohorts that represent the full spectrum of disease may help resolve the debate. Until then, clinicians should continue to make individualized decisions based on well-established risk factors, and an implantable cardioverter defibrillator, or ICD, should be considered for secondary prevention and in those with an aneurysm large enough to cause a reduced LV ejection fraction. But ICD decisions should not be based solely on the presence or absence of an LV apical aneurysm. In a Viewpoint article entitled Drugs that slow the progression of diabetic kidney disease are renoprotective effects attenuated in heart failure. Milton Packer and colleagues from the Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, USA, point out that in large-scale randomized control trials, or RCTs, several classes of drugs have been shown to reduce major adverse renal outcomes in type 2 diabetes. As compared with placebo, angiotensin receptor blockers, or ARBs, angiotensin-converting enzyme, or ACE inhibitors, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, or MRAs, and sodium glucose cotransporter 2, or SGLT2 inhibitors, each reduce the risk of occurrence of end-stage kidney disease by 30 to 35%. Therefore, many of the foundational drugs that favorably influence cardiovascular death and HF hospitalization in chronic HF act to decrease the risk of serious adverse renal outcomes in diabetic patients. Yet surprisingly, large-scale trials have not demonstrated that these four classes of drugs reduce the risk of end-stage kidney disease in patients with HF. Even though the same trials demonstrated significant benefits of these treatments on major HF outcomes. What might explain differences in the results of ARBs, ACE inhibitors, MRAs and SGLT2 inhibitors in patients with type 2 diabetes versus those with HF regarding renal outcomes? In this viewpoint, the authors propose three possible causes which might explain these remarkable differences. RCTs form the basis for guidelines, regulatory approval and reimbursement. In a Rapid Communications article entitled Participation in a clinical trial is associated with lower mortality but not lower risk of HF hospitalization in patients with heart failure. Observations from the ESC-EORP Heart Failure Long-Term Registry. Chris Capelios and colleagues from the Lyco General Hospital in Athens, Greece, 
assessed patients enrolled in the ESC EORP Heart Failure Long-Term Registry, a prospective registry of patients with HF conducted across 337 cardiology centres in 33 countries. A total of 18,247 patients were analysed. Among these, 938, or 5%, participated in an RCT at index visit. Patient characteristics independently associated with a higher likelihood of RCT participation were outpatient setting, older age, less severe HF symptoms and lower ejection fraction, absence of active malignancy, and history of myocardial infarction or percutaneous coronary intervention, while those associated with a lower likelihood were history of coronary bypass grafting, hypercholesterolemia, sleep apnea, active smoking, peripheral congestion, moderate to severe mitral regurgitation, and HF history greater than 12 months. Mortality rates were 9.7 versus 12.9 deaths per 100 patient years for those enrolled in versus not in RCTs respectively. Crude hazard ratio, or HR 0.71, adjusted HR 0.81, 95% confidence interval, or CI, 0.66 to 1.00, P equaling 0.051. The authors conclude that patients in the registry participating in an RCT have lower risk of competing events, greater use of background, guideline-recommended medical treatment, and indeed lower risk of all-cause mortality. Pregnancy outcomes in women with heart disease represent a growing concern. In a clinical research article entitled Pregnancy Outcomes in Women with Heart Disease the Madras Medical College Pregnancy and Cardiac, or MPAC, registry from India. Nanaraj Justin Paul and colleagues from the Rajiv Gandhi Government General Hospital in Chennai, Tamil Nadu, India, evaluate the fetomaternal outcome, identify the adverse outcome predictors, and test the applicability of the Modified World Health Organization, or MWHO, classification in pregnant women with heart disease, or PWWHD, from Tamil Nadu, India. 1,005 pregnant women, mean age 26.4 years, with 1,029 consecutive pregnancies, were prospectively enrolled from July 2016 to December 2019 in the Madras Medical College Pregnancy and Cardiac MPAC Registry. The majority, 60%, had heart disease diagnosed for the first time during pregnancy. Rheumatic heart disease, in 42%, was most common. One-third, or 34%, had pulmonary hypertension, or PH. Maternal mortality and composite maternal cardiac events, or MCEs, were the primary outcomes. Secondary outcomes were fetal loss, and Composite Adverse Fetal Events, or AFEs. MCEs occurred in 15.2% of pregnancies. HF was the most common MCE in 66%. Maternal mortality was 1.9%, with the highest rates in patients with prosthetic heart valves, or PHVs, at 8.6%. LV systolic dysfunction, or LVSD, 
PHVs, severe mitral stenosis, PH, and current pregnancy diagnosis of heart disease were independent predictors of MCEs. The C statistic of MWHO classification for predicting MCEs and maternal death was 0.794 and 0.796. A total of 91% of pregnancies resulted in live births. 34% of pregnancies reported AFEs. The authors conclude that maternal mortality is high in PWWHD from India. The highest death rates occur in women with PHVs, PH and LVSD. The MWHO classification for risk stratification may require further adaption and validation in India. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Yulin Rus Hesselink and Johanna van der Sander from the University Medical Centre Rotterdam in the Netherlands and Mark Johnson from the Imperial College London in the United Kingdom. The authors conclude that it is likely that differences in pregnancy outcomes described in registries are due to variations in the nature and severity of the underlying heart disease, the access to medical care and the underlying socio-cultural environment. The study of Gunanaraj et al. highlights the need for better access to cardiac care in low to medium income countries for women of childbearing age. Only if underlying heart disease is identified before pregnancy can the clinical state be optimised and accurate preconception counselling given. In the absence of antenatal diagnosis, it is essential that pregnant women with heart disease have access to advanced medical care in the form of pregnancy heart teams, as described by Nanaraj et al. in a timely and important paper. HF with preserved ejection fraction, or HEFPEF, is a syndrome with a heterogeneous presentation. In a clinical research article entitled Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction Relevance of a Dedicated Dyspnea Clinic Jan Verwerft and colleagues from the Hasselt University in Belgium provide an in-depth description of hemodynamic and metabolic alterations revealed by systematic assessment through cardiopulmonary exercise testing combined with exercise echocardiography or CPET echo within a dedicated dyspnea clinic. Consecutive patients, N equaling 297, referred to a dedicated dyspnea clinic using a standardized workup including CPET echo with a HEFPEF diagnosis through a H2FPEF score greater than or equal to 6 or a HFA-PEF score greater than or equal to 5, were evaluated. A median of four hemodynamic stroke metabolic alterations was uncovered per patient. Impaired stroke volume reserve, 73%. Impaired chronotropic reserve, 72%. Exercise pulmonary hypertension, 65%. And impaired diastolic reserve, 64%, were the most frequent cardiac alterations. Impaired peripheral oxygen extraction and ventilatory limitation were present in 40 and 39% respectively. In 267 patients, or 90%, 575 further diagnostic examinations were recommended, median of two tests per patient. 
cardiac magnetic resonance imaging, coronary or amyloidosis workup, ventilation perfusion scanning, and pulmonology referral were each recommended in approximately one out of three patients. In 293 patients, or 99%, 929 cardiovascular drug optimizations were needed, median of three modifications per patient. In 110 patients, or 37%, 132 cardiovascular interventions were performed, with ablation as the most frequent procedure. Mervaev et al. conclude that holistic workup of HEFPEF patients within a multidisciplinary dedicated dyspnea clinic, including systematic implementation of CPET-ECHO, reveals various hemodynamic stroke metabolic alterations, leading to further diagnostic testing and potential treatment changes in most cases. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Carolyn Lam and Jennifer Ho from the Duke National University of Singapore Medical School. Lam and Ho conclude by noting that Verveft et al. provide compelling data on the diagnostic and therapeutic implications of a systematic approach to patients with HEFPEF in a dedicated multidisciplinary clinic. Yet many questions remain. What is the best way to implement this multidisciplinary clinic in a fragmented care setting? What resources are needed? What are the roles for cardiologists, stroke HF specialists, stroke general practitioners? How scalable is this model and can we improve access to key tests, e.g. biomarkers, spirometry, echo or CPET? What is the impact of such a specialised clinic on clinical outcomes and what is its cost-effectiveness? These unanswered questions remain in stark contrast to treatment pathways for patients with HEFREF where referrals to HF Clinic, for instance, are centred around clear and delineated goals, including medication management and evaluation of advanced therapies. With one of the primary challenges in HEFPEF being around diagnosis itself, as well as the identification of masqueraders and recognition of treatable comorbid conditions, the clinical approach is invariably more complex, drawing from multiple disciplines. While the how needs clarification from further studies, the why remains clear. In fact, the need for dedicated HEFPEF clinics today is arguably even more urgent than 16 years ago when the first HEFPEF clinic program was established, as HEFPEF becomes the dominant form of HF worldwide and continues to be underdiagnosed and undertreated. Amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles, the molecular lesions that characterize Alzheimer's disease, or AD, are emerging as determinants of proteinopathies beyond the brain. In a translational research article entitled Big Tau Aggregation Disrupts Microtubule Tyronization and Causes Myocardial Diastolic Dysfunction From Discovery to Therapy Frederica Del Monte and colleagues from the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina, USA, aim to establish Tau's putative pathophysiological mechanistic role and potential future therapeutic targeting of Tau in HF. A mouse model of Tauopathy and human myocardial and brain tissue from patients with HF, AD and controls were employed in this study. 
Tau protein expression was examined together with the distribution. In addition, tau-related pathophysiological mechanisms were identified in vitro using a variety of biochemical, imaging and functional approaches. A novel tau-targeting immunotherapy was tested to explore tau-targeted therapeutic potential in HF. Tau was expressed in normal and diseased human hearts, in contradistinction to the current often cited observation that tau is expressed specifically in the brain. Notably, the main cardiac isoform was the high molecular weight, or HMW tau, also known as big tau, and the hyperphosphorylated tau segregated in aggregates in HF and AD hearts. Perturbation in tubulin code, specifically the loss of tyrosinated microtubules, emerged as a potential mechanism of myocardial tyopathy. Monoclonal anti-tau antibody therapy improved myocardial function and clearance of toxic aggregates in mice, supporting tau as a potential target for novel HF immunotherapy. The authors conclude that the study presents new mechanistic evidence and potential treatment for the brain-heart tauopathy axis in myocardial and brain degenerative diseases and aging. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Carmen Sukarov and Obed Nayako from the University of Colorado, Denver, Colorado, USA. The authors note that tau proteins have been extensively studied in neurogenerative diseases. The current study is relevant and novel and highlights the contribution of tau proteins to HF. The results of this study may provide an effective novel therapeutic option for patients with tauopathies and HEFPEF. Furthermore, greater than 30% of AD patients suffer from HEFPEF, suggesting a strong link between the AD brain and the effect of tau modification and aggregation in the heart. The study of tau proteins holds tremendous promise not only in the field of neurodegenerative diseases, but also in the field of cardiology by potentially improving HF outcomes in patients with HEFPEF. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled, The TANSNIP-PASER trial is not the end of the story. Ulf Naslund, Patrick Wenberg and Margarita Nürberg from the Umeå University in Sweden comment on the recent publication Effects of a Comprehensive Lifestyle Intervention on Cardiovascular Health, the TANSNIP-PASER trial, by Ines García Luna from the Centro Nacional de Investigaciones Cardiovasculares, CNIC, in Madrid, Spain. García Luna et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.